Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Be Green with Amy. I'm Amy. After adopting a whole food plant-based lifestyle, my hubby Rick and I lost over 130 pounds. Now I coach others on their plant-based journey. Just has voice. Let's welcome our guests. Michelle Sen has a Stanford University BA in science, technology, and society, and is completing a master's in clinical counseling. She loves being a health coach and lecturer at True North Health Center. Please click like to help Be Green with Amy. Welcome, Michelle Sen. Greetings and welcome, Green Warriors. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, everyone. So nice to meet all of you. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. You know, Green Warriors, Michelle is a passionate advocate for a whole food plant-based lifestyle. And today, Michelle's going to share her journey, which is marked by a triumph over an eating disorder and digestive issues. So for those of you that know someone that may benefit from this, or you may have some questions, please, in the comments, type those in. And later on in the broadcast, I'm going to bring those up to Michelle and let her talk about them. Now, what we like to do in uh, Green Warriors is what we like to do is have a true or false game. And as some of you may know, uh, Michelle, one of the things that she has triumphed over is anorexia. So we're going to start off our true or false game. It's time for true or false on Be Green with Amy Live. Answer true or false to Amy's questions in the comments below, and Amy will ask our guest for the expert answer. Okay, Green Warriors, let's talk about anorexia. True or false, anorexia nervosa is the deadliest mental illness with a mortality rate 12 times higher than the death rate of all causes for females aged 15 to 24. So type in your guesses for the answers. And while you're doing that, Michelle, can you please tell us about this? Yeah, am, am I allowed to say the answer or? Because it's not a real test, it's just. Okay, real. great. So I'm gonna let you all cheat and tell you that the answer is true, which is really, really sad. And it's actually not very well known just how fatal anorexia is. And I think, um, especially in my generation, it can actually almost be fashionable to have anorexia. Like, oh, look at this girl who's really skinny and model-like. And a lot of people don't realize that this is actually such a fatal illness because having too few calories leads to muscle wasting away, including very important muscles like in your heart, which keep it beating. And so a lot of people with anorexia actually end up succumbing to multiple organ failure, or having other very nasty complications. And um, I myself, when I had anorexia, I had no idea it was that serious until my doctor sat me, sat me down and told me this statistic. And I was like, whoa, okay, we're not just like playing around here. <laughs> like, I really have to work on fixing this. And, and how old were you then? I was 15. Wow. Yeah, that, that's a that's a lot to take in for someone that young. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, here's another question, Green Warriors. True or false, men can also develop anorexia nervosa. All right, so Maybe this one, <laughs> this one is also absolutely true. Men don't, men have anorexia nervosa at a rate far lower than females, but they can still have it. 
And this is also important to talk about because a lot of people believe that it's just a female problem, which it clearly isn't. There are males who struggle with anorexia for a variety of reasons. And yeah, so I just also find it important to highlight this statistic. And I'm very grateful that you include this question about this. Yeah, that looks like we have some smart green warriors out there. They're chiming in. <laughs> yeah, that was something that, that uh, was a very good pearl because a lot of people do think it's just women and it's so important. There's a lot of things that it seems to be attributed to women that can also be to men and they really need to be aware of this. Okay, true or false, anorexia nervosa can be triggered by undiagnosed food allergies leading to restrictive eating patterns. Mm. Okay, Michelle, tell us about that. This one is absolutely true, and it's unfortunately true in my case. And ever since I shared my story, I found out that it's actually happened to a lot of people like me, that they've developed food intolerances and thus they start avoiding a lot of food and they lose too much weight and then they're in that downward spiral to anorexia. So I actually, one of my fears is that because food allergies are becoming more and more prevalent these days due to things like being raised in super hygienic environments as kids um, and all the chemicals we're exposed to in the environment, I worry that more people like me will end up with lots of food allergies and unfortunately restrictive eating disorders. Um, but yeah, this is totally true. Yeah, and, and we'll probably try to talk about the food allergies more later, but it seems, especially for some of the older people who maybe have food allergies and may not even be aware of it because all of their lives, they didn't have problems with food allergies. So they any, any symptoms that may come up, they may not associate with food allergies. So I think that's very important to discuss. Okay, true or false? Labels such as anorexia may not accurately represent the complexity of eating disorders, which can affect individuals of all body sizes. Mm. Okay, mm. go ahead, Michelle. Yeah, this one's pretty tricky. The answer is true. To be anorexic, you don't have to be underweight. And you can be overweight and totally anorexic because your behavior is reflecting avoiding food, over-exercising. So I also want to shatter this harmful stereotype that anorexia only happens to like teenage thin girls. Certainly they make up a large number of people have anorexia, but really it can happen at any age and you can be any size. And ever since I went public about being anorexic, maybe a few years ago, a lot of people of all ages reached out to me, including people in their 50s, 60s and 70s who have been dealing with anorexia their entire lives. Some of them are overweight, but they certainly are living in just this miserable cycle of restriction and sometimes binging. Yeah, I, I think that in at least in my generation, I'm older, I think that and more more people smoked years ago. And I think that that was part of maybe eating disorders where people were substituting food for for cigarettes you know, having cigarettes when they were trying to avoid eating. So that may have been something that nobody even really was aware of. Okay, true or false, anorexia nervosa can disrupt normal brain function, leading to evolutionary adaptive behaviors that sustain the illness. That's a loaded question. 
<laughs> okay, no worries. Type that in and good, Michelle. These are very fancy questions. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. So the answer is true. So anorexia leads to loss of fat in the body very often. And that fat also goes away from the brain. And our brains need fat in order to function. So people, some people who are anorexic and become dangerously underweight start to experience a lot of weird brain stuff happening. And I, I experienced this firsthand. I was horrifically skinny to the point where my friends could barely recognize me. And yet when I looked in the mirror, my brain was painting in all this extra fat on my body. And I just thought, I thought I looked quote unquote normal. Whereas in reality, I look at photos of myself now and I'm just shocked at how much of a skeleton I look like. And this is one of those evolutionary behaviors actually, because um, there's, a, there's a theory of anorexia called adapted to flee famine developed by somebody named Dr. Shan Geisinger. And she theorized that people who develop anorexia actually have genes for it that turn on during times of famine, when a person would become, be in an environment of scarcity and need to flee and run to somewhere with food. And so it's actually really important for somebody who is starving and needing to flee to a better environment to keep going despite being emaciated. Then you keep going to find resources. And that made a lot of sense to me because when I was anorexic, I was so hyperactive and just always been like I on edge and tense um, and always thinking about food. And it's now in a healthy weight restored body. I'm no longer that kind of person. It's so much better. And plus, when I look in the mirror, I feel like what I see is reality and not that what I used to see, which was somebody who was maybe overweight that's very interesting i think a lot of especially older women can relate to that in a way where they may have not appreciated how uh how beautiful they were when they were younger always thinking that they needed to be more beautiful than they were and then they look back at the pictures of themselves and say wow i was really beautiful <laughs> and i didn't see that so i think it's it's a, the the brain is a tricky thing and it can really uh, lead us to believe things that may not be true. Okay, so those were the questions, the true or false questions that we had about anorexia. So why don't you tell us about your journey? So it all started when I was 15 in high school and all my friends were on the cross country team. Thus, I wanted to be on the cross country team too so I could spend more time with them. So I joined that team and I was running about two hours every day for five days a week. And I wasn't eating enough to compensate for that. So just by accident, I started losing weight. And as I lost weight, I started to, I started to develop a lot of the stereotypical behaviors of anorexia. I, I liked the feeling of being empty and not having food. It somehow was very satisfying. It felt like my brain was clearer that way. So I started to restrict a lot. I started to eat less and less. And this was not in an attempt to control my body weight. I just had this like weird compulsion to not eat as much. It just felt natural to me. And moreover, I also started having a lot of bad reactions to foods. Around the same time, I would have lunch and I would just feel like falling asleep afterward because my brain was such a fog. And I felt like I had a lot of 
maybe normal for teens, but I had a lot of like acne at the time, which I now can see how dairy was really causing that. And I just felt so miserable. And I kept this diary at the time. And when I look at back at my diary entries, I had written stuff like, oh my gosh, went to a Chinese restaurant, ate a lot, went home, just like fell asleep immediately and woke up feeling like with a, like a red face, feeling all flushed. And now I think like, okay, that was probably MSG. So there were just so many things which were making me feel terrible. And I, I just started, I started Googling, like, how do I feel better? How do I stop feeling so fatigued all the time and cranky? And um, how do I stop being so bloated? And the internet led me to the answer of keto, as in you should cut out carbs and because <laughs> carbs are terrible for you. So I did that. Um, and at the same time, I was also dealing with a lot of chronic pain. I have this eye condition that causes a lot of headaches and stuff. And I was also Googling stuff about that. And the internet also told me it's carbs, stop eating white rice, etc. So you can imagine how my Chinese parents felt when I came to them and said, hey, I'm going to stop eating rice. And they were like, you what? <laughs> so um, I, the thing is, I think a side effect of doing keto is that you are cutting out a lot of processed food and start to feel a little right. better. So I cut out, you know, bread, which at the time I had also developed a gluten intolerance I didn't know about. But when I cut out bread, I just felt like 50% better. And I was like, ta-da, I found it. This is the way. Yeah. So, yep, I kept cutting carbs and I just exercised more and more and more. Like I would do cross country and then I would go to the gym. And um, this is when the hyperactivity kicked in. And a lot of anorexic people are hyperactive. You will see those people just at the gym going at it like crazy. And that was me because I just felt like I couldn't sit still. I was just always like, I have to move. Um, so this all continued. And within a period of six months, I had lost a lot of weight. And I had mentioned to my friend that I hadn't had my period for three months. And she said, mm, you might want to see a doctor about that. So I was like, okay, I'll just I'll see the doctor. When I saw the doctor, the doctor was horrified. She said, oh my gosh, Michelle, like you're so underweight you have bruises that aren't healing you're so cold your heart rate is so low that like I have she said your heart rate is so low that I have I it would be medically irresponsible of me to not put you in the hospital right now oh my so, goodness yeah it was pretty now, crazy were like, any of your parents present at these checkups yeah my, my parents were there and they're I think I mean they knew I was being very obsessive and typical pretty OCD self at the time around food and everything but they didn't know it was that serious either and when the doctor said that my parents were like very upset of course and they just um they just started loading me up on a lot of food and this was not the kind of food we're looking at on the screen like the tomatoes and the broccoli no this was like the McDonald's and the dairy and the oil and the meat and you know all that um now, we have to say that now you, you are following a whole food plant-based lifestyle. So how was it then? Um, then you I was not. You hadn't embarked and hadn't discovered that yet, right? No, okay. I hadn't discovered that lifestyle yet. And unfortunately, every it was almost like every food that I was allergic to was forced upon me because the therapist... I met labeled those my fear foods. She, I said, okay, well, yeah, I said like bread makes me feel terrible. It makes my brain like just, it gives me headaches. It makes me feel so brain foggy. I literally always just fall asleep afterward. I can't concentrate in class. 
And she was like, well, sounds like you're just trying to avoid bread. <laughs> and um, Dairy, for example, um, the majority of East Asians are lactose intolerant. Right. Uh, but, and of course, I, I think everybody is lactose intolerant. We just may not realize. Right, <laughs> right. So I just thought it was normal to just have like, you know, this gastric pain after eating dairy and whatever. And I told them like, dairy makes me feel terrible. And they said, well, you got to eat more of it then. So it was this is not a nutritionist that's talking to you either, right? Oh, this no, this this was a nutritionist. She actually. was a nutritionist. Okay, I thought it was. Yeah, I had I had therapist. a mood disorder therapist, a nutritionist. The nutritionist she specifically told me I need you to drink at least three glasses of whole milk a day, so not that one percent stuff. And she gave me this sheet of you know the food pyramid and everything. And there's this little icon on the bottom of that sheet saying American Dairy Council that sponsors. Yeah. That. yeah. I, yeah. I saw that and I was like, mm. but even you know, at that young age, you, you, you noticed that. <laughs> <endorsement. Yeah. laughs> yeah, there were a lot of, a lot of things that woke me up to the reality of the medical system. For example, my pediatrician, he, have you heard of Insure? These are these drinks. Yeah. That, yeah. These, these they calories. They usually give it to the elderly, but are Correct. sometimes infirm people. Oh. Correct. Yeah. And it, it is, I mean, it is important if, you're ill or frail to having more calories. And these drinks are an easy way to do that. Except if you look on the ingredients of Insure, it's literally like 25 unpronounceable chemicals. And my, my pediatrician who worked at one of the top children's hospitals in the country looked me in the eye and said, Michelle, you don't, you want to gain weight so we don't hospitalize you because if we hospitalize you, you're gonna be forced to drink these and you don't wanna drink these. So he knew it was terrible. He knew, uh, I, I think people know it's terrible and yet they still serve this kind of food. Um, it was very enraging to me. And especially because I was 16, 17 at the time and deemed to have a mental illness, I wasn't listened to. And that was very difficult for me to be forced to eat so many things, which made me feel so bad every day. Uh, yet the only thing that they cared about was seeing a number on a scale move up. And that number on the scale moved up at the cost of my mental health, my sanity, <laughs> Um, and really I was just so miserable from consuming a very, very sad American diet at the time. Yeah. Um, and this is also a time in, in someone's life where you're going through just the angst of being a teenager, almost adult anyway, yeah. you know, yeah, and yeah. even if everything else was good, <laughs> it's still a very, very, uh, delicate time of life. And then to have when you're trying to become your own person and trying to emerge into adulthood, you're now ba basically being strapped into a high chair. It, it almost sounds mm -hmm. like where Absolutely. everything Absolutely. that you're, you're totally being dictated to and not understood. Mm -hmm. And, and I guess as parents, we want the best for our children. And when someone is wearing a white coat, we're going to respect what they have to say. And, 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 you know, we want, we want the best. So, it must have been very difficult for your parents as well to to try to decide how to navigate this. So go ahead. I'm sorry. No, thank you. Thank you for chiming in, Amy. I think uh, you. It sounds like you really understand this a lot. Like everything you said, I I just like you, you hit the nail on the head there. My the relationship between my parents and I became extremely fractured because every day was such a battle of them trying to force all the oil and calories they could down my throat and all these things that made me feel terrible um I was still not in a very healthy state uh by the time it was time for me to go off to college and in fact the pediatrician had said to me well Michelle I don't know maybe you should defer uh 
a little bit because you're still quite ill, which I was. Um, and I said, no, I want to do this. And I wanted to like keep up with my peers and feel like I was living a normal life. Um, and, and it also enabled you to get some independence back. Yeah, which, which is wonderful, some independence. And when I went to college, I, it was important that at this point I was pretty weight restored. However, I still had all these, the anorexic brain inside me telling me all these things I, I was trying to so hard to fight against. And the best thing that happened in college was during my first semester, one of my, the people in my dorm, on his bookshelf was a book called How Not to Die by Dr. Michael Greger. And I saw that book and I thought, I really don't want to die. So I read it and um, it just made fireworks go off in my brain where I thought like, wow, this is, this is what healthy eating is. Because at this point, for over a year, it had been drilled into me that that to eat healthily was to eat just gargantuan amounts of fat and butter and dairy. It was, it was remarkable to me that actually someone can eat healthily and maintain a healthy weight um, in this more like clean fashion. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't looking to lose weight at all. I was, I wanted to maintain my weight, but in fact, it was really interesting. And I, I say this often to people how when I went vegan, it actually healed my digestive system so much that I had an easier time maintaining a healthy weight than I was when I was cramming all this junk food, which is so crazy because the junk food was just, I, I swear I had leaky gut. I had such, I was just in such a terrible mood all the time and I felt so inflamed all the time and my body just ached and I had no energy. Um, and it was, al it was almost like, wow, why didn't anyone tell me that it could be this easy to maintain a healthy weight if you just eat what your body was designed to process? <laughs> I really wish somebody had just told me that instead of dietitians and nutritionists telling me, no, cram in this fake stuff. So yeah, after reading that book, I, I kind of, it was nice because at college I could kind of secretly go vegan when my parents didn't <laughs> see. Um, and I just felt so, so much better. And the anorexia didn't stop then. It, it really was um, an up and down relationship. I went through periods of gaining weight and losing weight. Still trying to figure out like, why in the world do I have these feelings of always trying to restrict food? Um, and then on Chef AJ, I listened to her talk about Dr. Shan Geisinger, the person who came up with this whole theory of what causes anorexia from an evolutionary basis. And when I heard about Dr. Geisinger's work about how some people are simply born with this gene and they really can't help it. And they're not trying to lose weight, but they have this impulse to restrict when they're underweight um, or otherwise just undernourished. I thought, I just, I just like just cried for so long because finally I felt like somebody understood me because all the therapists I'd been seeing had been saying things like, Michelle, like stop, basically like, stop being an idiot and just like eat the food. And I just, I didn't, I couldn't understand why they didn't get that. I won, I didn't, but eating felt dangerous. Eating felt sinful. And that really is what it feels like to a lot of anorexic. You'll see them pick around their food on the plate and they, they eat in secret and they hide. It's, it's just our instinct. It's our reaction. Um, and when I understood that this was my natural instinct and that it was perhaps useful back in the day, but no longer useful now when we live in an environment of abundant food and there's no risk of a famine, at least in our in a developed nation, um, I finally felt comfortable enough to to ignore my instincts. 
So that was what really got me to overcome anorexia. And to this, there's, to this day, I, I have to be very mindful of never restricting my food, which can often come into clash with being whole food, plant-based, salt, oil, sugar-free. <laughs> so it's a, it's, it's a fine line to tread. And I've talked to many in this space who have histories of eating disorders or anorexia or bulimia too, because I was also bulimic in that. I would just restrict all day, binge at night. Um, it's really complicated and it's actually really taboo to talk about too. Like people don't like to talk about the eating disorders at all, uh, which is why I feel like it's important to, to talk about these things. And I do think that people in this whole plant-based space often tend to be the very hyper-conscientious diligent people uh, whose personality types also lend themselves to making them at a higher risk for eating disorders. And that's why it's also really important to talk about this because there are so many people, um, Chef AJ included, she's talked about this. She was anorexic in the past and bulimic and she was also um, had a lot of battles to fight with that. I I just think it's so important to talk about these things. Yes, I agree. There there are a lot of people that... uh... I think that there's just a lot of eating disorders, right? I mean, and, and a lot of weird relationships with food that people have. And, and it's such a complicated thing because you have your your friends and family, you have your ethnic background, you have different rituals that you go through with your family, and then you have the, all the influences of the commercials and advertising around you telling you what you should eat and then you have the foods especially the processed foods that are doctored up different chemicals to make them appealing and i would think some of them would make the addictive and then those going along with feelings that people are having and they don't understand what it is and oftentimes when people are ill they'll say oh you need to eat something you know to coat your stomach you need to eat something to help you you know with this flu bug that you have or whatever it seems like we all just keep going to food so it's it's not surprising that a lot of people are affected in this way so now you did talk about these food allergies right that they played a role mm-hmm. in your eating disorder so mm-hmm. how did, how did you navigate them to during your recovery Mm, that was difficult so it wasn't until maybe two or three years after my initial experience being treated by an eating disorder um, in conventional medicine that just independently I had the thought okay what if I'm just actually allergic to this stuff (laughs) like what if that's it and so I actually went to Stanford and I got tested and they showed how I was actually allergic at this point to like gluten yeast soy all these things it just I was allergic to so many things and I looked at the, these test results and I was just like well what a concept like <laughs> maybe this is why I don't want to eat this stuff so um that was actually it was a big relief to actually have these test results that verified that it wasn't just all in my head because I was completely I was told all the time it's in your head it's in your head just ignore those reactions well, you know, very physical reactions. I had hives. I had all these things that were just really unpleasant to deal with. So um, once I found out I had all those allergies, I did my best to eliminate those foods while eating like enough. And I ended up drinking like a lot of shakes. And I actually found this, um, there's, this there's this company called Functional Formularies, which makes 
these amazing blended whole food vegan um, drinks. And they're actually designed to also be able to use for tube feeding. So people who are at that state, they can be tube fed this food. And that That's was a life. Very good thing. information because there are yeah. people that are seeking out when when they have are faced with this that they need these this kind of thing. And and it's so so this is a great resource. Keep going. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I tell clients about it all the time because um, it's so easy just to get your liquid calories in because when you're anorexic, your digestive system is basically shut down, and eating is so painful. So and even also for people who are, say, you know, going through cancer or other things, and they just have compromised systems. So functional formularies, they, they produce, um, again, whole food, vegan. The only thing is they have a little bit of flaxseed oil in it. But honestly, like, come on, you need the calories if, you're if you have to go for this. So it's a really, really great and great tasting kind of food. Um, can also be like a soup. So I had so much of that every day. I swear I lived off it. <laughs> and um, it was... Yeah, that was a lifesaver. And my food allergies, shocker to me, when I had restored my health, when I was eating plant-based, I went and got tested again, and so many of my allergies were gone. Like, my body was no longer overreacting to everything. And it was crazy. I, I, I literally have a sheet of my results before and after. They did all these skin pricks and everything. And I was no longer reacting to soy, no longer reacting to yeast. Um, it was like miracle and late and that was at the time now i've talked to so many people who also say like oh when i got off dairy so much inflammation went away i could breathe for the first time and that's also part of why i want to keep sharing this message because it's you've probably also heard this again and again from people who've talked they're like i i got off the meat and the dairy and suddenly like i no longer was coughing or sneezing all the time my my seasonal allergies went down and that happened to me too i'm still allergic to things like dust mites and pollen but it's so much less severe than before and my parents also eat more plant-based now and they also have experienced reduction, yeah, <laughs> a reduction in hay fever and other things but I was I was shocked and delighted that I no longer had to be as restrictive about my food choices because these allergies had just just magically vanished and I really do attribute a lot of it to also just having like um just like a re restored immune system and normal functioning now that I wasn't just attacking it all the time with crummy, yucky food yeah. or food in quotes. Cause really it was so much just processed plastic and not real stuff. Exactly. But we, we should say that probably if you had went back and started to eat the kind of food that you were eating prior to your transition, eventually you probably would develop these, allergies again so maybe i don't know if they completely went away because you're still at risk for having them but the symptoms were gone and it seems like i i noticed that too for me well i of course as soon as i quit dairy i haven't had a sinus infection in over a decade and i used to get them a couple of times at least a couple of times a year so yeah i, I can definitely and digestive issues i could go on and on with that but i i and also let's talk about with the food allergies versus sensitivities, can you help us distinguish between? Yeah, those? so um, from my understanding from when I was tested, a food allergy is something which actually shows up on their panel as like they prick you and you get this giant welt, your body is reacting versus a food sensitivity is more like something which you report being like having reactions to the food, but it doesn't necessarily show up on a lab test. And 
I think that food allergies and sensitivities should both be respected. And I say this from the point of view of somebody who complained so much about food giving her reactions, but was never heard. So, so oftentimes people come to me and they talk about their compromised GI systems and they have food allergies and sensitive, sensitivities all over the place. And none of these might show up in any testing, but I believe them. I believe that the food makes them feel terrible. And I think that's so important in today's day and age because tests can't find everything. Um, and a patient is their own best doctor and we need to listen to them first because they know themselves best. Yeah, I agree. And it seems that sometimes you could have a, an allergy or sensitivity and depending on the person or the food or whatever it is, it might not show up like within 30 minutes of eating. It might be what, as long as 72 hours, would you say that it could show up as a symptom? Mm -hmm, absolutely. And it also depends on the amount of load. For example, people who are celiac or sensitivities to gluten, sometimes these symptoms only appear if they've been eating wheat for a period of time, like weeks, where it slowly accumulates and accumulates until the body can no longer take it. So there's lots of complex factors going into it, including also perhaps the quality of the food they're ingesting. Sometimes people have difficulties with, say, um, inorganic wheat, which can often be sprayed with a lot of chemicals, which cause a lot of other reactions. But then organic wheat is totally fine with them. So there's a whole range of variables going in there about what a person reacts to. Yeah, I had heard someone talk about how they were they, they felt that they were at least intolerant to gluten, maybe not celiac, but they uh, so they avoided it and and felt much better. And then they went to, on a trip to Europe somewhere and maybe France, and they and and they said, "Oh, croissant! I, how can I come all the way here and not have this?" So they did and didn't feel any kind of reaction at all. And it so it almost seems that perhaps. The formulations in Europe are different also. And, and like you said, there may be chemicals and, and things in the foods that we have in the United States that may not be in other places. And, and moreover, it seems that an allergy, right? Maybe it made a little welt on your skin, or maybe it made you get a sinus infection. There are just so many ways that they can show themselves or maybe not show themselves, right? I mean, you could be having these intolerances and allergies and, and maybe not notice a symptom, but the damage is happening. Do you, would you agree with that? Absolutely. What I also realized after becoming whole food plant-based vegan was that I didn't understand what being healthy felt like until I did that. Before that, my normal of healthy was having an energy level of three or four, feeling sluggish, feeling tired all day. And that was just my life. And I thought it was normal to just wake up congested, et cetera. After going vegan, I realized, no, this is how I'm supposed to feel. And I think it's it's a shame when people don't eat clean for long enough to realize how much better they can feel. Because it for the body to properly detox, it can take longer than just a week of healthy eating, especially if someone's been on such not so great stuff for a long time. Which leads me into the topic of fasting, because as you know, I'm a coach for True North Health Center. I've lectured there before. And fasting is a way to accelerate the detoxification of the body and allow people to experience healing and what it's like to be like actually a functioning, healthy human being for the first time in perhaps decades. 
Yeah, that's that's something. And, and maybe you can talk to us about how you came upon True North because, and we, I, I have to say though, and you, you'll talk about it also, that when we first were coming up with a topic for today and we were talking about anorexia, that you asked me to not say anorexia and fasting in the same sentence, unless we had the caveat, because this is something that's truly important. And so you want to talk about how you came upon True North and then your experience there and talk about why it's so important to make that dis, uh, distinguish between the fasting and the therapeutic modalities and when what they're appropriate for. Thank you. Yeah, it's very, it was difficult for me to, um, especially online, to talk about both fasting and anorexia. So on my channel, I, I started off talking about anorexia and I just like stopped talking about it when I started talking about more about fasting because I didn't want to build up an audience of primarily anorexic people who would then see lots of fasting promoting content. It's really tricky to navigate. And I came, ac I came ac across fasting as the last resort, literally the last resort. So um, I mentioned that in high school, I had developed this eye condition called accommodative spasm. And I had been to so many doctor's appointments, literally flown across the country to see people to try to fix it, had so many MRIs, so many tests, so many failed treatments. It was, it was incapacitating the amount of pain that I was in, such that in my senior year of high school, my parents said, you should probably like leave school or drop out because you can't function. Like I was just not a functioning human being. Um, so it was very severe. And I, I kind of, I found some treatments which helped a bit, but it was still just a constant thorn in my side and made also going through Stanford extremely difficult. So eventually, um, I, I, True North is, I'm very blessed that is just two hours drive north of me. And I thought, okay, I've been, I've been searching for healing for so long, like would maybe like a really short fast help? And at this point, I knew the whole Dr. Shan Geisinger adapted to famine theory. I was very well versed in anorexia. I understood what caused it. And I understood I never wanted to go down that path again. So I talked to Dr. Goldhammer and I said, here's my past. Like, I'm really nervous about this. I, I really don't want to go down this rabbit hole again. And I know losing too much weight can trigger it. But also, I'm trying to heal this thing. So what do you think? And so anybody who has a history of eating disorders and wants to fast. First of all, only fast under medical supervision because by having a history of eating disorders, you have higher risk of complications. So go to somewhere like True North and um, be transparent about it. So I was very transparent and upfront and he totally understood and said, I think you can do a fast, we'll just do a short fast. So I did a short, short, quote unquote, seven day fast. That's not really short, by the way. <laughs> Short. <laughs> and, and people do like 40 day fast yeah. so this felt like you know nothing comparison but it was still significant and um i was i was grateful that during the fast you know my, my bmi didn't drop beyond the threshold that i felt comfortable with that they felt comfortable with and i did experience a lot of beautiful healing um i was already whole food plant-based sos free for a number of years by that point but still, a fast was a great physical reset. 
and a mental reset. And a lot of the healing honestly just comes from being removed from the stresses of everyday life and being able to just lie somewhere and have your laundry done for you and have all everything taken care of. Because you're not just fasting from food, right? You're basically mm -hmm. fasting from the stressors of life. Yeah, absolutely. And it didn't permanently take away this eye pain that was happening, which probably has more of like some sort of neurological basis. They said that they can't exactly fix. But it was it was great to see how that pain was correlated with the amount of stress I was under. And I I just had just genuinely a very wonderful detoxing experience. And on that la second to last day of my time at True North, or actually no, I think during the middle of my fast, they came out with this job posting for the concierge role. And at the time, I had just chosen to leave my job in the tech industry because I was I was pretty disillusioned by by the work. I just felt like a cog in the machine. And I felt like I was just following what all my peers were doing, graduating and running off to try to make the big bucks somewhere. But I wasn't nourishing my soul. And I felt deeply unhappy as somebody who likes to connect connect with people and actually talk about feelings and things. Um, so I looked at this job and I thought, wow, um, this is an opportunity to work in a space that I care a lot about and hopefully find more healthy community. Because that also was something that was really grating on me. At the time, I was maybe, I think I was 22. And and nobody my age cared about healthy eating or healthy living. Oh, no. Yeah. no not at all. And they were living the opposite. They're all drinking and whatever. And I was, I was, I was different because my body was so hypersensitive to so many things. And I, I had encountered so many health challenges that I didn't dare step a toe out of line and trigger more illness on me so it was great to meet people at true north who actually like didn't treat me like a wacko <laughs> and made me feel seen and heard so um long story short i got that job and it was it was just such a wonderful experience to work at true north and i've written about this on my website online and shared about this and um yeah i i love it and i i I think for everybody who is healthy enough to do so, just a short-term fast is a great thing to do to just cleanse the body, cleanse the mind, and reset all systems, and then go again. Yeah, I think so too. And and it's so important that uh, people take keep that in mind that if, if maybe if they just wanted to do a 24-hour fast at home, of course, we have to tell everybody that if they're on any prescription medications, they really need to be supervised by physicians, you know, because they could become dangerously over-medicated in a short period of time. And if you're not fasting and you want to adopt a whole food plant-based lifestyle, the same thing, you know, within maybe a week, you could become over-medicated or less. So you really need to monitor those with your physician. But, but yeah, truly also just stepping back away from those stresses of life. And so you, um, did you find, because I, I, I know I have, I've not yet gone to True North. That's one of my things that I would like to do, but I had been on their website and they, they talk about how if you do stay, that they prefer you not to bring perfumes and, and, and certain things. And so do, did you find that when you were, did you think that maybe there were some other things because we do have a mutual person that we've interviewed, which is Peter Rogers, MD. And he talks about not just the food, not just the stress, but these estrogenic effects about different 
cosmetics and soaps and so forth. Did you uh, notice that, that you might have been sensitive to any of those things? I think so. I have a very sensitive nose. I think my fiance is kind of afraid that I'm a bloodhound because <laughs> after he eats, I will walk in the house like two hours later. I'll say, oh, you lentils today. And he'll be like, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 there is something to that. I um, Sometimes at True North, people don't read the rules and they walk in with a bunch of cologne or fragrances. And it does make my nose kind of tingle and like, mm, and, you know, it makes it hard to breathe sometimes. Um, definitely at True North, we, uh, there's not enough emphasis placed on things besides food. So I'm really thankful you brought up this point because it's not just about what we eat and the quality of that. It's also about the air we're breathing. Um, and that's, that's super important. Um, and removing things like, yeah, too many estrogen disrupting chemicals from our life to speak in Dr. Peter Rogers lingo. <laughs> um, I, I think that is also so important for me i get a lot of eczema and skin rashes if if i'm wearing say like clothes which have too much like polyester and other things in them and i didn't notice when switching to like cotton fabric to sleep in i was so much less itchy and um switching my laundry detergent like because of rogers i now use something which is just this really <laughs> my fiance calls it like the hippie stuff because it smells like like plants and it's it is a very clean powder with lots of those unpronounceable names in it and I think I do feel better like my whole life I have had eczema which was really bad when I was a kid Re way 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 bad when I was eating the standard American diet it is much less bad now but it'll still flare up if I'm yeah in an environment with a lot of those those kinds of chemicals and things and at True North we do we do pay some extra attention to those kinds of things uh, mainly our water is distilled and it can be kind of controversial, but we try to have like super pure water and organic food pre predominantly. Um, most of our patient population is pretty health conscious. So they don't let us get away with using lots of conventional food. And um, I'm always impressed by them walking in and saying things like, oh, like, is, is that container plastic? And, you know, <laughs> they're, they're pretty, <laughs> yeah, pay attention to those things. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah, you can have some hypervillage people talking about that. And, and, and you kind of go down that rabbit hole. We first find out about the lifestyle, then, then you adopt the lifestyle, and then suddenly you're starting to feel a little better. So then you do a little more research and you find out that there are other things that you might want to be careful about. And it, it, yeah, it can really be overwhelming sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And at True North, we also have patients who come in for things like, like um, toxicity as a result of mold exposure in those in those homes. I'm especially thinking of my friends in Florida and what and whatnot. They come in and um, just by being away from the kind of chemicals or mold or other things in their house, they start to feel a lot, lot better. So truly, it's not talked about enough how our environments affect us. And yeah, it is a total rabbit hole. I. I sometimes struggle to not become so neurotic about every little detail. Like, ah, this carpet is like, I have to replace it. <laughs> but, you know, we, we just do the best we can. Yeah. But I mean, you, you spent the majority of your life not feeling well. So I, you know, I couldn't fault you for being hypervigilant about these things. And you talked earlier about how you were hyperactive, did you say? 
and and so what what is there some importance of slowing down during recovery yes there was a great importance on learning how to actually sit my butt in a chair and just stay there <laughs> that uh, was that I, was a, a concept to me um yeah when I was anorexic I again I felt like I had to constantly be on the move just walk and walk and walk and all day I I talked to um a lot of anorexic clients and they they obsess over the step count they're like I have to get at least 20,000 steps in a day 30,000 steps a day one of them she went on a flight like a eight hour nine hour flight and she was just going insane and after the flight she just had to run 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 forever and um it's slowing down I've been pretty bad at throughout my life and the fast was yeah yeah we're all guilty a lot of us so uh the fast was a great way to just hit the brakes on a lot of things and I I felt I felt also um yeah it was just such a tranquil environment to be at true north and just sit there and listen to the fountain and not think about the stuff on my plate or the emails or the notifications and be forced to just lay in bed like just be on bed rest and the last time that happened to me to be on essential bed rest was when I was anorexic and the doctor told me I can't have you you know walk in more than 30 minutes a day cumulatively because you're too you know you're too weak and your whole body is wasting away it was really quite severe at the time so um incidentally during that time of restricted activity was when I listened to a lot of beat your genes the podcast by Dr. Doug Lyle and I really got my education <laughs> in the plant-based ways um yeah, I really learned to to enjoy being more present with the moment rather than all, always racing towards some sort of uncertain future. And actually, I think changing my diet also helped tremendously because as we know, processed foods, and Dr. Oz would say this, they're, they're filled with excitotoxins. They're filled with things that light up our brains and bring us on this extreme high. And I was always so amped up on processed foods that my brain was just extra all over the place. I think Chef AJ has talked about this too, how by eating more whole natural foods, um, she's already naturally so energetic and eating a more natural diet helped bring her to a more calm level for her. And for me, I felt the same way. And I so appreciate how, how just, yeah, filling my body with more normal food made me feel more balanced in the brain and it literally is because as we know processed food is filled with all these things which are making us more anxious more jittery causing more fatigue and anxiety yeah and i i just keep thinking about you as a young person i mean I, a lot of ch children when they whatever the their state is that they think that that's normal right and so then they don't maybe even say anything to their parents because they just feel like, okay, this is how everybody feels. You know, mm -hmm. I, I had a friend who she had, a, her kid was about four years old and he was doing this on his, on the bottom of his mouth. And finally she said to him, why are you doing that? And he said, because it hurts. And he wound up having to need dental work. So I think we just kind of, as young people, we kind of accept our situation and, and feel that that it, that it's just the, the way, they, and I just keep thinking about how many pediatrician visits you had, right? And n none of this was uncovered. What do you think that pediatricians in retrospect, what do you think that they could have done to maybe uncover this? And also parents, right? Parents mm -hmm. 
may not even be aware that this is happening because I'm sure that there are a lot of parents and grandparents out there that are wondering, well, I wonder if a, a young family member of mine is is going through this. What what would they be looking for? And what would it be mm -hmm. should they do? Are, are you talking about um, anorexia specifically or other just health challenges in general? I think we'll go to anorexia and then we'll go to the food sensitivities too. Mm. Yeah, I think in general, the best thing to do uh, is to listen and believe. And <laughs> again, even when the test results don't maybe don't reveal something, which was not the case in my case. In my case, the test results are very loud and clear. Um, believe the person when they say something hurts, something's uncomfortable, something's not right. And yeah, don't accept being uncomfortable all the time as normal. I mean, me growing up, my parents didn't know better. I again really bad <laughs> eczema and my parents were just told oh she's just born this way like she just you know what is <laughs> when I was a baby they put mittens on my hands so I wouldn't keep scratching myself to death oh. um, and I think now I look back at that and I'm like well duh if I stopped eating dairy and all these things I could probably help have helped me a lot but you know nobody knew that and um, I think it's important for parents to realize that as a child, you should have a lot of energy and you shouldn't be sneezing and coughing all the time. And um, and for doctors to also not, not view their patients as people who just shove pills down. Unfortunately, I've had that experience where my pediatricians were very quick to, for everything that ever happened in my life, they would say, here's a pill here's a drug. So for example, when I got my first period, my pediatrician said to me, Oh, by the way, do you know that's optional to have a period now you can just go on birth control and get rid of it. And she said it, that was all she said about it. And by the way, for those like birth control, when you open the package, the the, the side effects label, it should is be like, like this long scroll. It just yeah, goes it's a scroll. <laughs> it's a lot. So um, that my pediatrician Coincident, not so coincidentally, it's also the CEO of a birth control company. So that might be why she mentioned it. But, um, you know, this is all very well-meaning advice. I never took it because I was kind of sketched out. I was like, isn't this a normal human function? But, yeah. but um, repeatedly, it was pushed upon me. Um, for example, anxiety. I have a lot of it growing up. And they said, why don't you try these, these med medications for it? And I'm really glad that my parents actually pushed back on that. And they said, no, we should just like, don't do this, it'll mess up with your brain. Just um, let's try some more like natural alternatives first. So I tried some things like actually sleeping enough at night and getting in a better environment. Voila, that actually helped a lot. So um, I would love for more doctors and parents to, to not be so quick to try drugs and to instead look toward the pillars of health, which we often in this plant-based space talk a lot about having the right diet, the right sleep, the right exercise. Only after those pillars of health are successfully addressed, when someone is sleeping enough and they have a correct diet and they're exercising enough, only then if they're still having problems, should we be considering drugs as a way to remedy their ailments. Um, but really, I haven't encountered a single person so far who hasn't benefited tremendously simply from focusing on those really boring but really essential lifestyle fundamentals. Yeah, and you and you get to speak to a lot of people at True North about that, which is that's that's just so wonderful that you can be an advocate in that way. We had some questions. I'm going to go to them now. 
Um, okay, so NM said, the meeting notes mentioned anorexia, but can the advice also be applied to other eating disorders, compulsive eating? Thanks. Absolutely. Compulsive eating is often triggered by the addictive behaviors that fast food or processed food can cause because these foods are literally engineered to have us compulsively eat them. So if somebody is compulsively eating those types of foods, it's actually a natural reaction. Like your brain was built to search for the most calorically dense food. Um, so just like how I found success with overcoming anorexia through eating a more natural food diet, I think that people with other, other types of eating disorders can also find more calm and peace and control over their lives when they eat more whole foods. And sometimes I've also encountered people who eat perfectly whole food plant-based SOS free and are compulsively eating or are anorexic. And Dr. Douglas talks about how these people often are under eating by accident because they're eating such a calorically dilute diet that they're actually not eating enough. They're just really crammed full all the time of broccoli and lettuce and kale, which is good for you, but not, not that many calories. So I, I actually speak I think I see a very interesting niche in this um, plant-based world where I speak to a lot of people who are just um, eating pounds and pounds of food, but not enough calories. And they're always compulsively eating on that. So sometimes I'm not sure what Anne's situation is, but sometimes, yes, people compulsively eat on a really super strict diet because they're actually not getting enough calories. And in that case, get more calories in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it all depends on on how active you are. There's just so many things that I mean. I notice for myself if if I have a more active day, I'll I'll eat more calories, and it just seems that the, once you get in touch with your body. But it's you know for those who have eating disorders or who have a, a different relationship with food, it can be hard to navigate that sometimes. Okay, and then earlier you were talking about some kind of a supplement. Uh, and Boomer and Beyond Wellness said, I think it was called functional or something. So she wanted you to uh, give more details about that. Oh, yeah. Hi, Angela. Nice to see you. It's called Functional Formularies. And they have one product called Nourish, which is formulated for kids specifically. And they have also another product called Liquid Hope, which has a higher amount of protein and is more geared toward adults. Um, but yeah, I, I love their stuff. Again, it, the one thing it violates is the little bit of flaxseed oil they add in there. But again, for somebody who's underweight, like sometimes it's just what you, what you need. And it's just amazing. I love how it's a tube feeding formula. And the founder of that company has an amazing story too, of how her dad had to go on the tube for his own illnesses. And she was so tired of the hospital feeding him junk. She was like, you're putting stuff through the tube that makes him sicker. So then she made this this really um, wonderful, nourishing, whole food brand. I love it. Oh, oh that does sound great. If you, I wonder if she would consider uh, creating baby formula too. That would you be know, great. I think it actually works. The, their Nourish Kids version, I think, is more appropriate for children as well. But baby formula, I, I hope yeah. they look into that. Yeah, I, I would think so. Okay, let me see. I think we had some other... Oh, Angela had said, yes, I did, did water fast with Frank Sabatino and I have disordered eating background, but because my acting out was decades ago, I did it. It was great for me on many levels. No problems posted. Yeah. 
I wonder how many how many days she did that water fast for because I know that she had talked about it at one time. Let's just see. Okay, we have other questions. Yes, I think we do. Let me just get to those. Okay, so uh, Jake wanted to know, have you encountered any challenges or limitations in terms of dining out or social situations while following a whole food plant-based diet? And how do you navigate those scenarios? Oh my, this is a wonderful question. And probably the number one question I get at True North, I have a whole lecture dedicated to that called, it's basically about how to eat out without losing your mind. Oh, and maybe this you is, need to come back and talk about that. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, True North, I, I love lecturing. It's such a, it's so great to have like a receptive audience. Um, but in a nutshell, Jake, there are a lot of things I do to try to eat out successfully. I will look at the menu ahead of time. I will look at the sides, often the sides, even at a steakhouse, you can find things like mashed potatoes and salads. I often eat out, I eat salads. Um, there's also something called preloading where before you go out, you, you kind of eat your own little thing beforehand, just in case when you arrive at the, the situation that there's nothing that you can eat. I know people who carry sweet potatoes in their purse and they can just eat that, <laughs> try to satiate themselves. Um, overall, the most important thing is that I've learned to not be shy about the way I eat and not be apologetic about it. Because I used to be totally thinking like, oh my gosh, I have to blend in with the crowd. I don't want to stand out. I don't want to, you know, talk to the waiter for 10 minutes arguing over the order. I'm just going to eat whatever they serve me. But I'm no longer that way. <laughs> Partly it helps to have friends who just eat this way too. And then you just go out and eat together. It's not a problem. But also, um... I've learned that like my health, I won't compromise no matter what. Because for me, if I step a towel out of line, I feel it. And I sometimes I even call the restaurant ahead of time just to like, hey, like, do you have like steamed rice and these things? Um, at certain types of restaurants, say an Asian restaurant, um, often like I just go for steamed veggies and steamed rice. Um, so there are lots of ways to to just research ahead of time and often ask for steamed instead of obviously fried. Like that's no good. And also when eating out, ask for the dressing on the side because often the dressing might probably not compliant. Um, and at the end of the day though, I also, I also advocate for, for balance. And this means, this means not losing your mind over every single time you eat out. Sometimes I, I go out and like, oh my God, there's a little bit of oil or a little bit of salt. I used to let that completely destroy me. I was like, no, I'm not touching this food. I just, I just won't. But um, I've also realized more like to not catastrophize over every little thing in my food. It, it's a fine balance, but I only say this because again, a lot of people in this community are really, really diligent, which is great, but not when it starts to actually take you to the other way of being so anxious that it kind of adversely affects your your quality of life. Um, there's nothing wrong. I used to do this where I would actually bring my own food and tell the waiter, like, I have a lot of allergies and stuff because I did and say, like, can I just please have this food? And they said, yeah, that's fine. So you can even do that if you're okay with looking a little like weird in front of people. But whatever. End of the day, it's it's your body and you have to protect it. Yeah. One, one time recently when I went out to eat with a few friends and my husband, we, we usually bring a bottle of dressing with us and then we usually order a salad. And at this time we, he, we had uh, some 
sushi. It didn't have fish in it, but it was uh, plant-based sushi. And we had we brought a whole bunch of it that would be enough that if anybody at the table wanted some, they could have it. So we we ordered and paid for a salad that would cost a certain amount because it had meat and, and so forth on it. But we told them not to give us the meat, but we still paid for it. And then we put our little sushi on top of the salad and people wanted to know what is this, you know, and, and of course they ate it and they loved our dressing. And it just, I think that you can turn something where instead of feeling embarrassed, you're, you're opening up a conversation and they wanted the recipe for the dressing. So, uh, you know, it can, it can be a positive thing too. And let me just see, I think, let's see if we have any, okay. I thought we might have another comment, but we were okay with that. And so we were going to go into just this plant-based lifestyle, but it looks like we're, we're running out of time for that. So I really wanted to um, thank you, Michelle, so much for um, sharing us, sharing your journey with us and teaching us about this very important topic. Everyone, please click like to show your appreciation for what Michelle shared with us today. Michelle, can you tell us about what you do and, and how we can find you on social media? Absolutely. So first of all, Amy, it's just such an honor to be on your show. I was so happy when you reached out to invite me because we met at the NHA conference in person and you told me about your show and I saw some episodes. I was like, this is so cool. Your show is just remarkable. It's, I think, one of the best put together presented shows out there. I mean, come on, look at this beautiful layout you have here. <laughs> so I love it so much. And for me, um, I just enjoy putting resources out there about plant-based lifestyle, mental health, whatever I'm feeling at the time. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, the best way to follow me is on my website, michellesen.com. That's C-E-N. And you can contact me there if you want. I post a lot of videos of myself doing weird stuff, flying in the air acrobatics on Instagram. And I do this mainly because I want to show that you can be plant-based and still do other stuff. Like it doesn't have to be your whole life. <laughs> so yeah, thank you for popping up those links in there. Um, and yeah, subscribe to me on YouTube if you want to follow videos and what's up. And I always, I love, love, love hearing from people. I, I read every single email I get and I just cherish this community so much because everyone hears such an amazing story and message and they're just such nice people. I was telling someone the other day how when I was in keto, Nobody, I'm not nobody, but most people in the keto community weren't that friendly and nice and sweet. But in this plant-based world, everyone's so super cool. I love y'all. <laughs> yeah, that's been my experience as well. Well, Michelle, thanks so much for sharing your inspiring story and, and your journey and insights. They're invaluable. I'm, I'm sure that my green warriors will find them both reliable and motivating so for those that are watching and and have come here because either of an eating disorder or digestive issue what would your final take-home message be for them i would say there is a way out of this you don't have to live with this forever and i say that because again people have contacted me who have had this for decades, just decades of disorder eating, binge eating, restrictive eating, whatever combination, and they are at the end of their rope. And I have found success through working with them to actually eat in a more natural way, to listen to their hunger cues. And 
I myself in the throes of anorexia was and bulimia was just totally despondent and thought this is my life. Like I would never have a healthy relationship with food. But I can confidently say there is a way out of it. I've done it. So many others have done it too. You can also get out of this. Beautifully said. And Green Warriors, type in the comments what are you going to remember from today's broadcast so that other people can see what the take-homes were. I also wanted to thank Jess Tass Boyce because she did the countdown, the promos, and she was so helpful with getting the word out about this episode. And Jess Tass Boyce, tell us what mutual friend is coming up next. Is eliminating salt the best we can do to normalize our blood pressure? Find out what really drives high blood pressure and how to conquer it. Learn what is not in any Harvard medical textbook and what most cardiologists don't know about the silent killer, hypertension. Join us as we learn from Peter Rogers, MD, Wednesday, December 13th, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Be Green with Amy Live. We'll both get a little chuckle out of that because we both have interviewed Dr. Rogers and learned so much. He is a firecracker. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> and I also wanted to thank, of course, you Green Warriors, because you're here. That's why we're here, trying to get more information and more help to all of you. And it's a special thank you. I am offering to you guys five free recipes. So if you go to my website, thegreenwithamy.com slash join. You can get five free recipes to your inbox and some other fun things as well. And what I like to do is ask all of you to take your right hand and grab your left shoulder and take your left hand and grab your right shoulder. Now squeeze, because that's a hug from me to you and to you, Michelle. And if you want to join me and Michelle with my tagline, we're going to say it together and you guys can type it in the comments. Are you ready, Michelle? Yep, ready. Okay. Until I see all of you again, remember, be strong, be well, and be green. green. Thank you so much, Michelle. And thank you, Green Warriors, for joining us. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye, now everyone. you can listen to Be Green with Amy expert interviews wherever you go. Listen while walking, meal prepping, or traveling. Find Be Green with Amy on Apple, Google, Alexa, Amazon, or virtually anywhere you find podcasts. Be strong, be well, and be green with Be Green with Amy.